On today's episode of Let's Go Together, I interviewed Jordan Ostroff, who is a incredible entrepreneur, multiple businesses, and we share some, and we go into some incredible insights about, you know, what he's been able to be successful in things, not just in his business, but also in life. Because as you know, you watch, you've listened to this show, or maybe you're new for the first time, but you understand that it's all together. As an entrepreneur, these things merge, they all mesh together and how we can better manage our time and where we're spending our time is going to dramatically change how we show up in our life and business. So without further ado, let's dive in. But first, the intro. Welcome to Let's Grow Together. My name is Nick Bonatatibus, motivational speaker and digital marketing strategist. And this podcast is all about helping you grow both in life and business. Let's dive in. We are back for another episode, and I am so excited to welcome this individual. We were just talking before we uh, jumped on to hit record. Um, just about certain things about what it takes to be successful in business. And I'm so excited to, to dive in. Now, real quick, um, Jordan, real quick, tell us a little bit about who you are or what you do and who you serve. Sure. So technically, I'm a lawyer. Uh, my wife and I do own a law firm in Orlando that helps people with personal injury and academic issues. Uh, but really, I realized the entire time I was a marketer, you know, I was trying to get in great cases and help people out. And so eventually I opened up Legalese Marketing. We're a full service marketing company that helps lawyers help other people. So similar to what you do, pushing, helping people get their personal brand out there, we help other lawyers get their firm or their personal brand out there. Amazing. Yeah. I think, you know, when we, we start to realize through the journeys, like the things that we are good at in certain degrees of like what we originally were doing. And, and the thing about marketing too, marketing is so critical, you know, with, with everything that we do with no matter what, um, it's just so important, you know, building that brand and, and getting that awareness. Now I do want to comment though, cause you said something before we jumped on that I think is a great place to start. And that when it comes to building a business, the best way to grow your business is to build yourself. Now I'm, I'm going to let you reframe what you said, cause I, you said it better. Um, so what did you say before we jumped on here? Yeah. So um, I started with that and then I tweaked it slightly. So basically the best way to grow a business is grow yourself and then grow your team, both in number, in quantity, but also in quality. And that I don't mean by constantly firing and hiring new people, but I mean by empowering them to have that same personal growth. And then you can grow literally exponentially. Yeah. So powerful. Now for you, how did your kind of like personal development journey begin? Like, was that while you were like, um, in your law firm? Was it before you started your law firm? When did you kind of get into this space of like really working on yourself? So for me, it was, it was my rock bottom, which thankfully is not that deep. So I've got that going for me. Um, basically, like I started a law firm after being a state attorney. I knew absolutely nothing. And in retrospect, I knew even less than I thought I knew at the time, even though I was aware that I knew almost nothing. Um, and so we I did well enough unintentionally to spend a bunch of money to then spend money that I didn't have trying to chase doing better. And then finally ended up like $200,000 in debt. Uh, my wife told me that she was pregnant with our first kid. And I was like, well, what the heck are we going to do? 
um, and really just cut the whole marketing budget, real, saved $150,000 a year to make like $5,000 less, and then connected with somebody locally who's an expert marketer and really went through like, what did we do that was right and why was it right? What did we do that was wrong and why was it wrong? And then like rebuilt everything from scratch with a huge component of that just being that I had to be a better business owner and that became being less of a lawyer and more of a business owner or more of a marketer as well. And that's really what began my personal growth journey. And then now we've got a team of 10 where at the law firm where everybody has like their own little fiefdom or, or kingdom, you know, one person's in charge of the calendar, one person's in charge of case management, one person's in charge of pre-suit files. And then we empower them to grow and learn more about their specific area and then tweak the systems and make the processes better and be better at their job and make their job better and all of those things. And it just, it snowballs in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. You've mentioned this a few times is like empowering your employees. How, how do you go about um, empowering them? So somebody phrased it and I hope I can nail their phrasing the right way. Um, I don't remember who it was, but I, somebody gets awesome credit for this. Things start out as you, then they become us, then they become them, then they become theirs. And so at the beginning, you open a business, it's all you. You start bringing on a team, it becomes us, it becomes we. And then you start pushing things off on other people. So it becomes, you know, it becomes that they're going to do this. And then when they take full ownership of it, it truly becomes theirs. And so it's the me, we, they, theirs, I think is the the four-step process. Um, and obviously you're going to go through a lot of bad apples, both it being the employee's fault or it being your system's fault or it being you as a boss fault. But when you find the right people that your faults are their positives where your the things that you don't like are their zones of genius, you know, that's how you really grow a viable and successful business because ultimately we really only have, we really only have and only should have control over that and in which we're truly talented. And if you're anything like me, you're terrible at so many things, but I've worked a whole system where I get to spend the vast majority of my time in my very small zone of genius. Yes. I love it. And I think the zone of genius is so important. Now for you, how did you kind of discover your zone of genius? Cause I think that's something that we all strive for. We're like, yeah, I only want to do the things that we're good at. Um, but it also takes time to make that transition. So for you, what was that journey like for you and really like honing in on what you're best at and then being able to pass along the rest? So really it was that chat, um, with Greg Eisenberg, who's my business partner for legalese when we were talking about like, what had the firm done that was successful. And for the most part, I looked at that from a marketing sales perspective, because from a fulfillment perspective, Thank God, like we never really had that problem. We always got good results for clients, but it was at the expense of too many lawyers, too much staff, too much red tape, you know, spending too much, not, not direct money, but indirectly spending too much money on cases for what we were charging or what we were recovering. And so the more that I found out like what we had done right, I realized it was, you know, me out there networking. It was me overseeing the team's betterment. It was me you know, empowering other people to do their things. And it was really less of me doing it. Um, so I always tell people, shoot, I'm going to mess this up. Um, I was listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast. They had a group that talked about, it wasn't Zone of Genius. 
shoot, I'm gonna forget this. Hold on one second. I'm gonna pull it up if I can. Yeah. Well, podcast is such a an important piece of uh, you know creating knowledge and implementing things and hearing what other people are doing. And I mean, hey, you know, you guys are here right now listening to us, um, and it's just such an important aspect of our growth, you know, in, in surrounding ourselves with people are talking about things that we want to learn, um, so that we can start to implement, you know, these aspects. Um, so I got it pulled up now, so I'm sorry for that awkward dead time, but no problem. um, I tried to fill the space. (laughs) Yeah, no. So it's the six types of working genius. I knew it wasn't zone of genius. So it was on the entree leadership podcast and basically it spells out widget. So W I D G E T. And that's, you, so most people are good at two of those six things, terrible at two of the, or hate doing two of those six things. It saps your energy and okay, the other two. So it's wonder where you like wonder about big problems. It's ideating where you come up with potential solutions. It's discerning whether or not you think those are right. It's galvanizing a team to get them done to, uh, together to get it started, enabling a team and then tenacity getting it done. And it's so funny because I took this and I broke the system because I am three and three and three and I am totally three and three. I am discern galvanized tenacity. So it's like I get all my ideas from podcasts or, or webinars or courses or whatever. I figure out if it works for me or how I put a team together and then I want it done and I want nothing to do with enablement and I cannot come up with a new unique idea to save my life. And it totally nailed exactly what I did in the realm of running a business. So it was great. And I think it's 25 bucks. I highly suggest the six types of working genius. Take the report if you're not sure kind of where you fit in. Um, the beauty of it is you can take those concepts really to anything. You just will figure out sort of what's your role in an overall path. And so visionaries tend to be more towards the top and um, implementers tend to be more towards the bottom, which is why I skip enablement because that's my implementers. And then I come back to make sure that it was done correctly. So it was really cool to see something that like retroactively made a lot of sense to what was working for me. Yeah. And I think it's so important in general of like, cause you gotta think most entrepreneurs, business owners have the like vision mentality, like, cause that's why they started their business and they're more about the, the big scope solving the problems. And then you know, one of the first things that they're delegating is something that's like the integrator, you know, someone that's going to implement the things that we're envisioning and, you know, finding the right people to be able to implement our, you know, vision. Now, most of the time when we first get started, you know, you're doing every single piece, but when you can focus on the areas that you're best at, then naturally things tend to move and progress even quicker through like so many people spend so much time doing things that they should not be doing at all that they could easily delegate to, you know, to somebody else. Um, and it just saves them so much time. They think it's like, you know, and this kind of goes into my, my question, but with like, when you invest in somebody, like to me, it's, you don't have the money and then invest in, in a team. It can go the, goes the other way around in many cases of like invest in a team and then you'll be able to make the income to be able to support them and continue to grow, you know? And one thing that you had mentioned was, you know, investing in courses and trainings and how much of like investing in teams and courses and, you know, those types of things helped you to propel, um, 
both of your businesses? So it's interesting because I invest my time that way a lot more than my money, which is not to say that I don't spend money on those things, but to say that like, I listen to a lot of podcasts or a lot of resources and whatnot. And like everything, you know, like I've started running again over the last like six months. And so I'll be out there for a run and still listen to music. I'm listening to some podcasts and then like, I'll stop in the middle of it to be like, hold on, I want to write down. Like, I think that if we move this position that way, or we change this, we add this language to our review requests, whatever, it'll really help. And so if anybody's watching me run, I'm sure it's really funny when I just stop in the middle and pull out my phone and like start jotting down notes on it and then go back to running. Um, but the, the thing about business is really that's your whole decision-making is I have time and I have money and sometimes you only have one or sometimes something's only worth one of those things. So for me, like I genuinely like using my time to discern, you know, to get those great ideas that other people have discern if it'll work for me or how. So um, for people that are shorter on time, then obviously like that's the point of spending money is I don't think that there's anything out there that you can't find for free. But when you pay for a course, when you hire a coach, when you work with somebody, you're saving yourself the journey of finding it. You're saving yourself the weeding through a bunch of bad advice. You're saving yourself the watching hours of idiots in their parents' basement that don't know what they're talking about, but can share a good idea. And so that's where I tell people really to focus on, like, you have to know enough to be able to discern what's right or not. If not, then you have to find a really good course, really good coach, or if you want to save time and expedite the process, find a really good course, a really good coach, a really good mentor, a really good resource, and just give them all your money and you'll make it back in spades. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. You're investing in the return and trusting that that, that person or business is going to help you to get the results that, that you want, you know, if they had a proven track record, then, you know, um, one thing that's, that's funny and I, I'll pass this on to you. It might be helpful, but I, I run and listen to podcasts as well. Um, I don't know if you have an iPhone or not, but what I'll do sometimes is like, I will, um, yell to Siri and then like tell her like reminder and I'll say the idea. Um, so that I'm like, sometimes I'm not even stopping. I'm just like running and I'm like, Hey Siri, remind me to implement this type of plan or contact this person to get to partner up, to create this idea or, um, whatever it may, may be, um, that <laughs> I don't know if you have an iPhone or not, but I, I do. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> so, and obviously like you can do the, remind me when I get home to blah, blah, blah. So like you could line it up pretty dead on. Yeah. I think it's so important though, too, like, cause I find myself, um, and this is just like a good, good skill that everyone should do. Um, and Jim Rohn talks about this too. The quotes like, uh, you know, if you hear something that you like, write it down. Um, you know, and I think so many people, whether it be they're watching podcasts or listening to courses and they're just like going off of their own memory. They're like, Oh, I'll remember this. And like, I don't really care how good your memory is. Like, it's very unlikely that you're going to remember everything. It's just this natural. Um, and even if you, let's say you do want to do remember it, but you have to think really hard. You're like, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. And then you're using so much energy to try and remember it that if you just boom, like pull out your phone and write it down. Like, I mean, I use Evernote and my notes in my phone all the time for content ideas. It's like when I think of something like, and I'm sure maybe you can relate to this. You're like laying in bed and this and ideas are spinning. If I don't stop 
and like put it down, I will not sleep. A hundred percent. Cause then I'm like, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And then I'm like, I can't sleep. Yeah. No, I, you know, like if you look at the brain as a computer, you know, like I guess it's not the greatest example, but like on a computer you have Ram, which is like what's currently running and you have the hard drive, which is storing the stuff. Like your brain doesn't have both those things. You have one. And so it's like, do you want to use it for computing? Do you want to use it for being able to store stuff? Or do you want it to be able to use it for like making ideas and going through everything? And like, it's easy to store information somewhere else a lot. I think it's a lot easier to do that than it is to have a computer make decisions for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. That No, that's a, that's a phenomenal analogy in realizing like your brain only has so much memory, you know, and maybe that's a, maybe that's not fully true. And I think it, it, it I think memory is a skill set. but again, we have these amazing technology and tools that when we start to use them, it'll, it frees our brain up to not have to think about, about those things. Like even from the littlest extent, like for me, I go to grocery shopping and do my laundry every Wednesday. Like it's the same time every single week, every single day, or, you know, every day at the same time. And so I'm not thinking about throughout the week. Oh, like, Oh, should I go to the grocery store? Because that's, that's time that is me thinking about this. Like, Oh, should I do my laundry now? No, it's like, I have this set time. So it's one less thing that I have to think about or worry about, Hey, when am I going to do this? And like utilizing a calendar that literally says grocery store, you know, or like I have my workouts in my calendar, like all of these things, um, are so helpful. Do you use any of these tools like that? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is when I tell people to live off their calendar, everybody looks at me like it's the worst thing they've ever heard. And I'm like, no, no, no book. Don't do anything. Book, watch Netflix for a whole day. I don't care. But like the more that you have some sort of system and the more that you're honoring those time commitments, whether they're with other people or whether they're with yourself or whether they're with your spouse or kids, like the more that you take control over that, the more you can block out time for fun or for nothing or for, you know, or make sure things don't get put on your calendar. When mm-hmm. you don't have control over that, then you've got your email, which is a to-do list you don't control. You've got somebody else scheduling things on your calendar as a to-do list that you can't control. And then you've lost, you know, total control of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important. You brought up such a, such a great, um, point to when it comes to managing your calendars that you add stuff like that, you know, you add stuff, um, like I mentioned groceries, things like that, but then also free time, spending time with your family. Maybe it's cooking dinner. Like I have lunch on my calendar. Like, you know, like I, I put these things on my calendar because well, one, I have, you know, automated systems where people can book on my calendar. So I don't want them just like booking next thing you know, like there's not a spot for lunch, you know? So like when you use some of these automated systems, like Calendly, where some people are booking on your calendar, then you have to make sure that you're blocking off certain times to make sure that they're not getting booked. But, you know, I've seen this before. One of my friends posted something, uh, recently again, like, you know, date with his daughter, um, you know, and those types of things are great. And, you know, I, I was following some influencer too. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his, um, it's like Metzner. Um, I'm drawing a blank, but he, he got backlash for like talking about having stuff for his family on the calendar. He's like, no, 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 no. I have stuff for my family because that's the minimum. I'm setting the minimum time to spend with my family 
I'm going to spend more time with them in addition, but it's just, you're setting the requirement where it's not this like work life balance that so many people talk about. It's like, sometimes you may have a lot of work, but then you take off for a week and you spend it all time with your family. Like that to me is the entrepreneur. I'm not, I don't think that there is like work life balance. I think it's just, there's fluctuations up and down. Um, I'm curious. I don't know. How do you feel about, uh, the work-life balance, uh, what do you call it, saying? So um, so for me, I really tell people, ask yourself three questions. How much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? And what work do you want to be doing? And the more that you look at those three answers, you have to assume that they do make sense. Like, I want to make a billion dollars a year and work zero hours is not going to be feasible. But to the point that there's a feasibility to it, then you can construct so many things around that So like for me, I work Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and then that's it. Like I'll mess around on social media because really I just create content all the time. But like I'm not getting scheduled for anything on Wednesdays and Fridays. If I get too much work and I make the decision to go in that morning, great. But otherwise, like every the first Wednesday of every month, my calendar reminds me the science center is open. So my son and I can go to the science center, you know, and then the third, the third Friday of every month, it reminds me that there's a food truck place over that we like to go to and try out some new places and you know, things like that. And so we have that time, like I have that time carved out for family. If I make the decision to cut some of it, so be it, but I'm really making the decision not to let anything else creep into it without my control. Mm, Yeah. I think, I mean, those are three really important questions that I think people, um, should be doing on a regular basis. Like it's almost something to like remind yourself of to making sure that you are like, really thinking about how much do you want to make and how much do you want to work, you know, cause, and there is not always a correlation. Like, I think that's something that's a common misconception of like, Oh, the harder you work, you know, the more money you make, which isn't always the case. But like you said, you can't make a million dollars and do absolutely nothing. Like, I mean, you can try, but, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Um, you know, maybe you got to invent something, but at some point you're doing work to get that, um, you know, return. Um, but just really seeing what it is and thinking about what it is that you want, because I mean, you could just be burning yourself out and you're like, what, what am I even doing this for? Like for me, when I was doing the side hustle before I like went full-time in my business, I was working so much. I mean, I was working, you know, 60 to 80 hours because I was working a full-time job and then trying to build a business on the side. So, you know, for me though, it was the, so you're the, working at least three full-time jobs between yeah, the exactly. one real one and the, and the two side hustles that were even more work or the side hustle that ends up being twice as much work. Yeah, exactly. And you're at the, when you're in the beginning too, you're like barely making any money and you're just like working, 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 and the return is not there. But like now that I'm on my own, I mean, I don't work. I don't think I even work 40 hours a week. Um, because again, like that was something where when I put in all that time, I was like, I don't want that again. I don't want to have to work that much ever again, you know? Well, but also from what you and I do, how much of that time flexibility and freedom really is proof of concept that what you're saying is true because by following what you're teaching other people to do, you put yourself in the position to have that control. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, you know, is like, we want the big thing is like freedom, right? That's most of the people that are listening to this podcast to some degree, one, one of two things is money and freedom. Like 
you, that's why you start a business, you know, you want more freedom, but you also, in order to get the freedom money is part of that process. Now there is like a balance too, of like the freedom and, and how much money you make to determining that, um, in like, cause, cause obviously there's people who are making billions of dollars, but they're still working, you know, like regularly, like the Tony Robbins of the world, who's, he's got plenty of money. He doesn't need it anymore. Now he just like loves what he does and he works when he wants, but he's at that point where he has that freedom, but also, you know, the time standpoint is, is based on whatever that he, he wants. If he just decides to take off for a week, he can. Um, and that's, that's what we want and what we work towards. But to go back to what you said too, is if you want these things in your life, you need to look again at those three questions of how much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? And you know, what, what do you want to do? You know, and aggressively defend those things. Cause like, you know, we talk about that, um, you know, spending money on personal growth. And so for me, like I enjoy the podcast, I enjoy clubhouse chats. I enjoy courses, all those things. I don't enjoy chores. So I bought, you know, Instacart does my food shopping. So that's not on my calendar. You know, we have a housekeeper come in every other week to clean. And I mean, obviously like I, I pick up stuff, I clean up, I've got a three-year-old. So like, that's a full-time job keeping the house clean anyway. But like I traded money for time in the things that I didn't like. And I traded my time into the things that I do like, even if a lot of those are just personal growth or learning or trying new things or, you know, calling former clients to chat with them to see how they're doing, to see how we can get better, you know, things like that, that you truly, if those are the things that you truly find enjoyment of, then you're not going to have a problem doing them. And you just pay people to do the things that you don't want to do, whether that's employees or whether that's in your own life. Yeah, absolutely. I love the housekeeper example because you know, I've had other guests mention that too, but it's my favorite thing when things are repeated on the podcast, because I find that a lot of times people are going from book to book, podcast to podcast, and they're just like absorbing, absorbing. And the best way to learn is through repetition. And so like, if you've been listening to the show consistently, you've heard this before, like here's a task like housekeeping that how much time a month are you spending cleaning? you know, and it's like, this is something that you can outsource, like look into how much this would cost, because I know some of it's, it's like 150 bucks a month or something like that. Like there, there that's, that's low cost, like Instacart, again, same thing, having your groceries be delivered, you know, and you can do that where it's like set up automatically. Um, I know one of my mentors, he always talked about like having toilet paper, uh, like toothpaste, like things that regularly run out that you know are going to run out and he sets timers on Amazon to just automatically order it. So it's like, he doesn't even think about these things. It's like all of a sudden, just like new toilet paper and toothpaste arrives. And it's at the time that he knew, cause you just figure out like how, how quickly you're going through and then boom, you know, investing in these things that allows you to get your time back you know, and really just evaluating how much time you're spending on, on these different tasks. And if in fact you can outsource it. And there's a whole nother benefit that we haven't touched on at all. And I will share that in a story. So my, my, uh, my in-laws are like the awesome Midwestern salt of the earth people that like know how to do everything. And like legitimately went to barn raisings when they were kids and like help people build barns, like just the coolest people. So their middle daughter marries me, who I hope I'm their favorite son-in-law, but I'll leave that up for them. 
And, um, and so they're at the house one time and then somebody came to cut our lawn. And my mother-in-law was like, why do you have somebody else cut your lawn? I was like, one, I don't want to do it. But two, that person has sent us a six figure case from their family member that unfortunately got injured in an, in an accident. So by having this, I also have another person on my like unofficial marketing team. You've got a referral source out of it. They do a much better job than I would do for something I don't want to do. And, you know, they're posting us on Facebook or they're sending friends and family when they have, you know, legal needs and whatnot. And so there's a way to also build these relationships from a genuine standpoint to get a benefit of the person's services to provide money to somebody who needs it and to potentially get other connections or other referrals out of it. That's a great, that's a great example. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's the same concept too of like, as businesses, we want people to spend money on us. So then we need to be willing to spend money on other things as well. You know, I'm a big believer in like being the customer that you want to see in your own business. And, you know, I, I love the, the lawn example, because I remember I had a conversation with my friends and I was like, I don't plan on ever mowing my lawn. And I got response like, what, what do you mean? How, how can you not mow your lawn? Like, and just, cause again, they're not in the same mind frame that I have in just being like, because that's not how I want to spend my time. Why would I mow my lawn every single weekend when I could be going to the beach or going for a bike ride and doing things that I love when I can just outsource this, this task. And, and again, it's good for the economy. And then my, my dad always says like, well, if you can afford it, it's like, well, again, that's how a lot of people think if you can afford it or the other way to think about it is again, you pay somebody else to do that, that allows you to spend your time so that you can focus in other areas that are going to generate so that you can afford it, you know, as entrepreneurs, every time that we are spending, even if we're on the beach, we're thinking about our business, you know, to some capacity, you know, we try to shut our brains off, but like, good, good luck, you know, <laughs> but, well, or, or you do things that you enjoy. So like, for me, I know we talked about, about a bunch of chores I hate. So let me share the one I like, I like cooking, you know, and I like eating. So, I, and I, that way I can cook the stuff that I want to eat. And so like Sunday was my wife's birthday. So I cooked for like three hours Sunday morning and made you know, a couple of her favorite meals, a couple of things that my kids would eat, whatever. And like, to me, that was not work. And that was totally enjoyable. Like my wife is sitting on the couch watching whatever reality TV show she wants. My kid was coming back from my parents. And then he's hanging out in the kitchen with me on his iPad, cut, helping me cut the, you know, cut potatoes for fries or chips or whatever it is we were making. And like, I enjoyed that. So that's a chore that a lot of other people I'm sure hate and would pay for, but I get enjoyment out of doing it. Unlike the other ones. And so I cook. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that goes back to circle back to the, the, you know, mowing the lawn, if you enjoy mowing the lawn, I mean, I think there's, there can be some, uh, you know, therapeuticness to it where you're just kind of like out there, you know, making it happen. It's somewhat like repetitive where you don't need to think about it that, that much. Um, you know, it's not like too, uh, intensive in figuring out what you're going to do. I like to cook too. I don't see that as something that I would, you know, ever delegate, but again, you're delegating the, the groceries coming to you. So again, that's something that you don't need to do. Um, no, I, I love that. I love that example of just, it kind of circles back into like your zone of genius. In this case, mm -hmm. it's like cooking is you know, like, you know, part of your, your zone, you know, your zone of things that you enjoy doing and, and, and just to circle back as well into like, um, personal development is like, 
being happy, like that's the goal, right? To be like consistently happy. How do we do that? Consistently do the things that we enjoy to do. And that goes in every area of our life, including our business and, you know, things at home and our relationships. Like, so all of that plays a factor, the, the work and the life, they're all integrated into this same concept of leaning into what we'd love to do and not doing the things that we don't want to do. And what you talked about, I mean, you touched on that affecting your business, but like the thing that I want to tell the people listening to this is you ever call a company and that person answers the phone and it's the difference between like, what do you want versus like, thank you so much for talking to us, you know, so XYZ company, like, how can we help you today? Who can I get you in touch with? And like that difference, I think is related to happiness. You know, maybe it's at the job, maybe it's in life, maybe it's having a bad day, but there's like a million quick second subconscious decisions that you will make better if you are happy, if you're doing what you like, if you are, you know, self-actualized or however up Maslow's hierarchy of needs that you can be. Whereas at the bottom, you know, you're going to be forging around for, you know, who knows what pissed off at everybody. Yeah. And what a terrible way to live. Like, yes, there's, there is a, there are better options, you know, in just like enjoyment and fulfillment. Now I'm curious, are there certain like habits that you have that, um, you know, aside from, you know, outsourcing and staying in your zone of genius that, that help you to stay in this state of just like being in joy? Um, in terms of habits, I mean, so I would, I, I love the concept of a really good morning habit. Uh, and I was doing a great job on that until I had a child. And then I tell everybody having a kid, it's like an alarm clock that you can't set. So like, I used to love getting up super early and going to the gym, but now like there are nights where he's up until 4am or he wakes up at 4am. If he went, you know, he went to sleep at the right time. Um, so who knows along those lines. And so I try to keep those things in mind, but also I understand that I'm going to do like 80% as well. So for the most part I have like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is going to be running or racquetball or something like that. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is usually lifting Sunday's my catch up day on whatever I missed the most over the last week, or just sort of relaxing. Um, and then you just sort of figure out like what other things you genuinely enjoy, like what hobbies do you want? Uh, my wife loves playing kickball. So she's on a adult kickball league every Monday night. And so I know every Monday night, you know, I'm watching our kid Her games are 6.30, 7.30 or 8.30, depending upon the week. And we have it lined up where like, I've got his meal, his bath time and putting him to bed every Monday. Uh, so she can do that. And then, you know, uh, I play golf on Thursdays networking and I usually try to get home by six, some weeks that runs long. So she knows, you know, for the most part, don't set anything um, for hers, for herself Thursday afternoon, unless like we know that it's going to specifically work out that day or, you know, a family member is going to pitch in or something along those lines. And so you make these little things where it's like, I want to make sure I get this hobby done. I want to make sure I get this personal development thing done. I want to make sure I get this business stuff done. And then, you know, you give yourself the flexibility and freedom to double down on those things or do nothing. You know, I don't, I don't feel guilty sitting, sitting on the couch watching Netflix for six or eight hours a day if that's going to happen it doesn't happen that frequently but it happens enough to really get enjoyment out of it while i don't feel like i'm you know wasting away because i accomplished everything else that i was supposed to yeah oh my gosh you bring up such a great great point um in that regard of like we 
if you follow certain influencers, like, you know, and Gary V is like one of the typical ones where it's like, work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Then every time that you're like not working, you feel this guilt and like, that's a choice, you know? And so if you are like in your downtime and you are feeling guilty about not working, then that just is something that it's just like a, a flick of the switch really of, of starting to change how you feel about those break times, you know, and making sure that like when you're in that space that you feel good about it, you know, like, because it's not going to help you. The idea is that when you take breaks, it's going to recharge you. It's going to make you feel better, you know, so that when you jump back, but if you're feeling guilty, every time you take a break, then you're not actually taking a break. And then it's not helping you to be more productive and efficient. You know, I just saw something too from Gary Vee. It's like, you know, he doesn't work the weekends. Like people think that he's working 24 seven. He's not, he, he works a nine to five, just like everybody else, Monday through Friday. Post scheduled to go out over the weekend. So, you know, it's, it's all about it's branding and video. You know, you, you can, you can still have that connection with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a thing that, um, most of the time people are not working hard enough. And so, it's good to have him in your corner for that regard. You know, he was helpful for me when I was first getting started, you know? Well, I think verbatim, he would say what you just said. You know, I think it's most people need to hear the hustle, 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 but I think your listeners are savvy enough that potentially they have to hear the, you know, don't always hustle. You can't pour from an empty cup, you know, whatever, whatever the aphorism is going to be. Yeah. That's the, it's exactly, exactly it. You know, it's, I love that analogy too. You can't pour from an empty cup. It, and it goes to of the uh, what's the airplane reference? Like you got to put the bag on yourself before helping others. So oh, yeah. if you're not taking care of yourself first, then you're going to have trouble serving, you know, your clients. Like, I mean, you mentioned having a fitness routine and how you know, important that is. Um, because again, these are the things that you're making time for. You're making time for your family so that you can then show up in your business in the best possible way. Well, and not die of a heart attack in 10 years, like a bunch of other attorneys. No, but so I, for me, it all boils down to this and I'll share like my decision-making process as, as best as I can. Oftentimes I will sit down and literally going through my mind will be while sitting on my deathbed, is this going to impact my thoughts? And to be fair, 99% of the time, no. Like what shirt I wear in the morning is not going to fucking matter when, you know, the end of days come. But never crossed my mind has been, I wish I had worked more. I wish I had stayed at the office later in more nights, you know, anything like that's never been a consideration. So if you go through that thought process, if you're sitting there thinking like, I'm going to be on my deathbed thinking, man, I watched too much TV. I played too many video games, whatever it is. Great. Then start making changes to work yourself away from that. But at the point that you are accomplishing enough other things or doing those things so infrequently that you don't have that feeling like I'm going to, you know, if I died tomorrow, I would regret doing X, Y, or Z, like then give yourself time for those things. You know, like as long as it's not a problem, as long as it's not negatively impacting your life in a bunch of other ways, like you have to have time for enjoyment or leisure or whatever. And, you know, going back to what you said before, it's so true. Like I'll be sitting there watching something on Netflix and then like, the next week I was watching the um, samurai documentary that just came out. I don't know if you saw it. Mm. So, so in a nutshell, I posted this on LinkedIn because like this sat with me. So in the 1500s, 
the initial battles to start reunifying Japan back together was like two to 3,000 people. And so I posted on LinkedIn, like this was, this sat with me for a week. And so finally I posted on LinkedIn. I was like, I just finished this documentary. And like, really, I want to share with you the concept of two to 3,000 people went to war to reunify Japan. And by the end, it was like 30 to 50,000 people in the larger armies. I'm like an idiot like me can post this on LinkedIn and have 6,000 people see it. And like, sure, we're not going to war. Like, it's not really that serious, but it's amazing to me, like the interconnectedness that we have. And I never would have had that thought, except like I was watching the documentary and the whole time I was like, this is nuts. Like I get, you know, I get that many views on a stupid LinkedIn post. Like this is their, you know, initial army. Um, it was just, it was, it's incredible. Like we are, we live in such a great time and we need to take the opportunity to appreciate that when we can, even with COVID, even with the last 13 months, even with economic depression, even with unfortunately a lot of us having lost family members, but like, we're going to look back in five years and say like this, the slowness was nice. It gave us a chance to breathe. We had more family time than ever, you know, whatever it was. Um, just appreciate the moment. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's such a great, um, a great point. You know, and I always talked about that too, is like COVID was a, a great thing in, in a lot of points, you know, again, we have a choice to look at it. Like this is the worst thing ever, or how can we see all of the great things that this brought up? Like, if you think about all the, there's marriages that like people were finally like, oh my gosh, we have just been staying together because we've just been going through the motions. And now COVID like woke us up, you know, or somebody wanted to start a business for so long and never did it. And they stayed with that secure job. And then now boom, they like their secure job no longer exists. Now they got to start that business that they always wanted. You know, it makes us reflect on everything that we have and take a breath. And, you know, a lot of people with families, like you said, you're, you're got to spend more time with your family and see them on a regular basis and just making that choice to see, you know, how things are. Uh, one thing I wanted to comment on that I think is, is great that you brought up with the, the samurai, you know, Netflix is like, it's human you know, we become more human to be able to have these similarities or commenting on something that we're watching on Netflix. You know, for me, I'm a big like superhero nerd. And so it's funny, like posting things like that, because again, there's a lot of people that like that stuff. And so now we're connecting on a deeper level. That's not necessarily like me just talking about, you know, video and social media all the time. It's like, it's this other part of me, of who we are, you know, we've talked about personal branding. Like this is all part of it. Personal brand is not just like how you want people to see you. It's also like what your hobbies are and what you enjoy to do because you're going to be able to connect with somebody on a deeper level, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of, of social media too. Well, and of course, like that post had, you know, half a dozen people like, I just watched that documentary as well. Or like, oh, that's on my queue. I'll check it out or whatever. And like, that was totally not the point, but it was cool for us to be able to, you know, build those connections. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it really, the, the more that your personal brand is genuine and authentic to you, the easier it's going to be to keep it up because it's not a facade, the easier it's going to be to throw yourself into it and do the actual work and enjoy doing the actual work of building it the easier it's going to be to connect with people because like you're not being fake. You're, you know, you're genuinely sharing yourself and you're going to piss people off. You're going to drive people away, but guess what? Great. You know, like they already decided that you weren't right for them and you don't have to waste time figuring out if they're not right for you. And there's 7 billion other people in the world, you know, many of which probably will connect with you about something that you think is 
nerdy or funny or geeky or, you know, whatever, whatever negative connotation you want to put on some of your hobbies, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people that feel the exact same way and will bond with you so much more. Yeah. Embrace the, the inner nerdiness or, you know, whatever that you have, because again, that's the beauty of being able to connect with people on a deeper level. And you only do that by sharing more detailed personal things to, to, and be open about it. Be like, I don't care if people judge me that I like Star Wars, you know, Star Wars is awesome. And then, you know, you connect with other people that are Star Wars fans. Now you have that mutual connection that's so much stronger that you wouldn't have had. <laughs> Love my it. Death Star pen holder sitting on my desk. So glad I brought up that example. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody 3D printed me that. I think it was like the coolest gift I've gotten. That's, wow, that's not store-bought. So somebody printed that. That is, that's really amazing. My, my friend's reading a Star Wars book and he just talks about it and I get so ingrained into what he's saying because he's super interested into it and I love Star Wars. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I need to read this book. Um, you know, and there's, there's so much things to nerd out about. Um, but I want to kind of um, wrap, wind things down here. Now, one thing you mentioned a few times is like podcasts. And I'm curious, like, what are some, what, what are some podcasts that you like absolutely love to listen to? Like, is there, what's your favorite, this is a better question. What's your favorite podcast? See, that's like, a, I mean, I only have one kid, so it's not like asking me to pick my favorite kid, but like it, I'm going to give you the lawyer, sort of lawyer non-answer, but I'll give you some examples. Like, How about really, top three? Because whenever I ask somebody to give me their favorite, they end up giving me three anyway. Three? All right, three. fine. Um, <laughs> Stacey Brown Randall's Roadmap to Grow Your Business. She talks about building a client, uh, sticky client experience, being referable without asking. Um, Entree Leadership, I love. Like, I'm To be honest, I'm not a huge fan of like anything else Dave Ramsey does, but the way that they frame the Entree Leadership podcast, they have like really interesting guests who talk about a slightly different story than you'll hear in other ones. I think that the way that they do it also as like, that was my first foray into truly being a business owner as opposed to just a business operator. Um, and then my third shoot, see the first two were easy. And then it's like, now I'm like, there's so many other ones that I really like um, maximum lawyer. So it's a group on Facebook. They do a podcast, they interview attorneys and they have attorneys share their stories and like they've interviewed hundreds of attorneys. So it is people like literally on day 60 of being solo, sharing what they've been through over the last two months. And then the next episode will be some person that's running a, a 120 person law firm for 30 years and the next one. And then it'll be somebody that just, you know, merged their firm with another larger firm to talk about that experience. And it's just so cool to hear the stories of all of these people across the country from that how different business ownership can be, but yet we always tend to have similar issues or similar problems. Yeah. And that just goes to show you too, there's, you're always going to be able to find like your people, you know, like find your, your group of things that you like listening to, you know, or that person, most of the time it's the person, you know, like you like that person and you like where, you know, the things that they discuss. Um, and there's a lot of cool things for you to be able to, and, and the thing is too, you don't need to just listen to one person. Like there's, you know, you know, it's not like you have to be loyal to one person. You can listen to tons of different people. Like there's, there's no rules in that regard. Um, uh, I think that's an awesome thing. Now I know I asked I mean, that's you, that's why, I, go sorry. Ahead. I was, that's why I usually like the interview style 
of podcasts because you get to hear that guest. You get to see the different perspectives. What you talked about earlier about hearing the same thing from multiple people to really drive it home. Um, I'm right there with it. Love it. Yeah. Now, are you more of a podcast or do you listen to like audiobooks or read books also? I used to be such an avid reader and then law school completely ruined long form reading for me. And it sucks because I have like a stack of business books that I really want to read. And I've read the, you know, uh, I've done the, tw- the 12 minute or the 20 minute summary a million times. And I've read blog posts from individual chapters and whatever. I just like, I can't sit down to do the whole thing. So um, audiobooks a little bit better, but still I like get stuck in the middle and then I want to finish the chapter and whatever. Um, it's just, it's hard. It's hard for me. And I, and I feel so bad saying it so bad saying it, but that is absolutely my truth, unfortunately. So um, short blogs, podcasts, courses broken up into, you know, 20 to 40 minute segments. Um, those are the things for me, usually audio. So I can do something else, you know, while I'm driving to work, I'll listen to the first part I'm driving home. I'll finish it going for a run. Uh, whatever it is along those lines tend to be a little bit easier. Yeah. I think audio is a great experience for you to to do that. I do a mix of both. Like I do read, but I also, um, listen to audiobooks while I run, um, as well. Just makes it easy. It's a great way to absorb amazing, influential content and people. Um, Jordan, this, side, wait, hold, so one last thing. So, but by the flip side, when I'm creating content, I always prefer creating video because you can pull the audio out. You can't really add the video in afterwards. So, Yeah. Well, and that's why this podcast is video as well, because I think just, you know, being able to watch it and hear us speak uh, or see us speak is, is more, um, can be more impactful in just like seeing it versus relying solely on, um, audio. Cause we are, we're visual. Some people are visual learners. Some people are, you know, auditory and the combination of both is always going to be the best, you know? Um, yeah, you'll just have to edit out every time I pick my nose because I didn't know <laughs> you were recording the video <laughs> for anybody listening. Just kidding. No, we're doing slow-mo for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, what is it? Seinfeld where he like looks over in the car next to him and he's got, he's like scratching the outside of his nose. I think about that all the time. Oh my gosh. Too funny. Awesome. Well, this was so amazing. Um, you know, you shared so much impactful things of, you know, sharing your story again of like, having a bunch of debt and having to reset yourself and, you know, really look at like, Hey, what am I doing? And how can I go about, you know, changing this, you know, finding the right people to look at the things you're doing, adjust and really focus on what's going to get the result that you want. You know, you talked about, um, widget. I love that, um, kind of, uh, acronym of really being able to look at the vision of your company and what you enjoy doing and how, where can you, you know, delegate these other things. And then, you know, we even went into how we're able to do this in our own life and we're delegating things like, you know, housekeeping and food delivery. I mean, this is important things that can change your life. It doesn't seem like it's a big thing, but these little things add so much things where you're just adding 30 minutes here, an hour here, each day because it adds up. It's this compound effect of being able to just build and build and build, you know, and then one thing, which I didn't touch on when you mentioned it, but I think it's super powerful that I really want to reiterate is your deathbed. You know, when you're on your deathbed, what are you thinking about? You know, 
I, I, the, uh, another example of this is like the rocking chair test, you know? So it's like, it's a similar analogy, but it kind of allows you to picture it a little bit more. You know, you're old, you're sitting on a rocking chair. Like, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about what you wish you did or you didn't do? Because if you're thinking about it now and you're like, man, I wish I didn't do this so much or, you know, and, and you use the, the, the example, like when I'm older, I'm not going to wish I worked more. And I have that same thought too. I'm not going to be like, man, I wish I worked more, more, more. And it's like, no, there's other things that are more important to, to focus on that are going to get us the results. Like maybe it's move somewhere. Like that's something that you, you know, living with regret is not something we, we ever want to do. And I'm sure there's something that you can think about in your life that you've hesitated on, you've thought about doing. It's like, just do it. Take the leap and take the chance of just doing something because amazing things will happen when you do. Unless it's heroin, then <laughs> you say no. <laughs> you know, that's a good point because, you know, some things, you know, you just, uh, you never know. It just will put you down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> you also have to know where to get that, um, which, but you know, I guess if you really want it, you can get it. Um, I digress, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, if you first, you don't succeed, don't, <laughs> don't skydive. That's a great, uh, that's a great quote. Um, yes, but be willing to try things, do things that maybe scare you. Um, but Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Um, what's the best place uh, for somebody to get in touch with you, follow you? Sure. Uh, the easiest thing, probably on LinkedIn. I post at least once a day. And the whole point behind my LinkedIn is I'm genuinely trying to share the, the free information that will help a law firm owner get to about $5,000 a month in disposable income to put towards marketing so they can then trade that for all the time that they've put in doing a lot of the marketing themselves. I love it. Awesome, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing all your insights. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Awesome. And thank you listeners for being here. I hope you got a ton, a ton of value, things that you can take and implement. And remember, get out there and let's keep growing together. Wait, wait, one more thing. I would first like to say thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this message, please take a moment to write a review. By writing a review, it helps people find this message and helps me help more people. And if you really, really liked it and you think this message could help someone else, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and please tag me at Nick J. Bonnie, N-I-C-K-J-B-O-N-I, so I can show my appreciation for you. We can all win by helping each other grow. Thank you. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon.